All right. You can unpause the missions brain. All right, we're, we're going to jump back on that track now. We're back on missions. Uh, we're back on ECHO in the Global Missions Conference. Uh, and we're going to jump into this week's message with the uh, five minutes that I have left to preach. Um, so this, yes, I know. This Friday is the kickoff. I, I can't even introduce myself in five minutes. This is the, this is the, Echo Global Mission kickoff this Friday, the 13th. You don't have to be worried. We're not, we don't ascribe to Periscopy decotriophobia around here, so you don't have to be scared. You can show up. You didn't know I knew big words, huh? I know I don't look like it, but I, I can memorize a couple things. So you've heard me say before that I love Missions Conference and I look forward to Echo uh, more than probably most people look forward to Christmas. Like, I love Missions Conference. But you've heard me over the last few years talk a lot about how fun and exciting it all is, but I was like, think in the last few weeks, it's like, I don't know if they've ever heard me explain why Missions Conference is so important. But partially... Uh, it's because when I got here, I just assumed everybody knew more than me. Uh, it's like, you know, I've been in Homer for the last six years. They all, they've all been around. But some of you, there's actually many of you that are very new to Church on the Rock. Uh, so it's probably me worth, it's probably worth me telling you. I can say big words, but I can't put them in the right order. I, it's probably worth me telling you uh, what ECHO Global Missions Conference is all about, the purpose behind it, and everything. So, Many years ago, I'm going to start off with a little story. Many years ago, when I was a young man, all of 14, and I was a new believer, uh, long before I started attending Church on the Rock down in Wasilla, I did not have a very high value for missions or missionaries. I'm sorry, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I was 14, and I was uh, reading this book, and it was written for youth, to encourage them and help them develop in their faith. And at the end of every chapter of this book, I didn't get very far through it because at the end of every chapter of this book, there was some challenges. It was like, read large chunks of scripture, uh, find a place to serve in your local church, memorize scripture, all things that I recognize. These could likely be a catalyst to my spiritual growth. Uh, but the last challenge... Uh, was to pray about going on a missions trip during your summer vacation from school. Which for 14-year-old Cody, whose only goal in life at that point was to play baseball, uh, you could imagine the utter disdain that I felt towards doing anything with my summer vacation other than playing baseball. Like, you know, you probably know already that baseball and other sports were my only real motivation as a kid. Like, all you had to do was uh, threaten to take sports away from me and the opportunity to play sports, and I would be in immediate compliance. Regretfully, like, the only reason that I even graduated from high school was because you had to have passing grades to be able to play sports. So I did just enough so I could play. I mean, I... To avoid the risk of not being able to play sports, I even stopped punching out my teammates. Some of you guys, some of you guys were paying attention last week. So early on in my faith journey, I developed this callousness towards missions. 
thought it was just like this elective activity that some Christians could do, but it wasn't really for everyone. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Missions at its very core is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, we should always be in the process of growing more into Christ's image and likeness. And Jesus, he was, I believe, highly involved and highly in, intentional with missions. Now, now, missions can kind of be like this Christianese thing. Like, we throw the word missions around a lot, and not everybody really knows what it means. It's not always clear what we mean when we say uh, missions or talk about being missional. But missions simply means being sent by God into a specific place in order to partner with God to expand his kingdom. And that can look very different for a variety of different people, as you're going to find out next week. We have missionaries all over the world doing a vast array of different things, but all of them at their core are sharing the gospel to advance God's kingdom. So you can take part in missions. You can do it on the other side of the world in an obscure little village that nobody's ever heard of and where nobody's ever heard of Jesus. Or you can go to work every day and take part in missions there. You can go to the end of your driveway and take part in missions there. You can even take part in missions in your own family. The question that we should ask is not, is God calling me into missions? If you are a believer, if you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are already called into missions. The question you should be asking is, how do I, how do I participate today where I'm at in missions? We are all missionaries, and we all have we all should have a missional mindset. We should all develop generosity towards other missionaries. We should all be being transformed more into the image and likeness of Christ. We don't often recognize the missional aspect that is littered throughout scripture and in some of the most profound and important passages of scripture. We're gonna look at uh, the gospel of John in chapter one, verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh. The word is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the word. Jesus was not a spirit, disguised as a person. He was real. He came here as a living, breathing person so that he could, have, he could claim to have the same human experience and, and have experienced everything that we do. But the, this Greek word uh, that's translated dwelt among us in this passage is skenao. And it's highly suggestive of the tabernacle. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The tabernacle, if you think back to when we were in the Torah, just, just a couple years ago, think back, that structure, it preceded the temple 
And it was symbolic of God coming to dwell among his people for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. The tabernacle was a literal physical place. Jesus was literally and physically among his creation. He was here in human form. Much like God's presence was among his people with the tabernacle. Jesus, the Messiah, the second person of the Trinity, was sent by God the Father into this world with the intent of building up the kingdom. The very essence of Jesus's earthly life was missional. He set apart himself. He left his throne in heaven to come here and expand his kingdom. He's missional. And once you start seeing scripture through the lens of missions, you actually start to see missions everywhere in scripture. When Jesus heals the demoniac in Mark chapter five, the demoniac asks, Jesus, can I follow you? Can I, can I become one of your disciples? And Jesus sends the demoniac on missions. He says, no, go back to your people. Tell them about me. Tell them the good news of the gospel. Expand the kingdom. Jonah, he was the reluctant missionary to Nineveh. Paul was sent out on missions all across the known world in the book of Acts. God called the father of our faith, Abraham, into missions. In Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham in verse two, he said, I will make you, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you <clears throat> and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So at the core, at the foundation of our very faith, God is starting some missions. God is putting Abraham on a mission to expand the kingdom and bless the whole world. So you are called to be on mission. But we are also invited to join in the blessing of being generous to others who are called to be on mission. Like maybe you feel drawn to certain missions, you feel drawn to certain works that God is doing, but you know that you can't participate with them because God has you on a different mission. You get to be part of what God is doing all around the world by supporting those missionaries. All throughout Paul's letters, he encourages the financial support of missionaries. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, it is largely just a thank you note to that church for the mission support that they sent him. There's many different inferences in Paul's writing that believers should be supporting missionaries. During Jesus's earthly missionary, he was dependent. You know that? Jesus was dependent on other people during his time here on earth. And he would not have been able to do the mission that he was on had people not financially supported him. 
Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus and his disciples, they were supported in the ministry. In Luke chapter eight, verse three, it says, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them, Jesus and his disciples, out of their own means. So the women in this passage, they were paying the expense of the ministry that Jesus was doing. They were paying for Jesus to be able to travel all across uh, the Galilee area and down to Jerusalem. Yeah, that's right. They were bringing the good news of the kingdom of God all throughout Judea. Jesus himself depended on others for support. We're all called to be on mission. So you should, at the very least, be a missionary right here where God has you. You should be following his leading. And if he is calling you to go down the road, you should go down the road. If he's calling you to go across the world, you should go across the world, but you should also participate in the blessing of missions by supporting other missionaries and diversify that blessing. Diversify, diversify the impact that you can make on the kingdom of God. Because we aren't always called to physically go and be a part of what God's doing. Sometimes we are just backing others through prayer and financial giving. But when it comes right down to it, I know that that can be a challenge. It's okay, we can admit it. We live in rural Alaska. We don't have even a lot of free time, let alone extra cash lying around. When it comes to being just missionaries to our neighbors, that's sometimes a hard thing because we have wood to split, we have houses to maintain, we gotta get them all ready for winter. we got to go spend time in the woods trying to shoot a moose just so we can fill our freezer or catch enough fish so we have food for the winter. It takes a lot of effort to live in rural Alaska. It takes a lot of finances just to survive here. Like, if everything goes perfect, if all of our projects go just the way we had planned, then some, like, all right, maybe I got a little something extra that I can be generous with. When you live in survival mode, it's hard to be generous. And I know that a lot of us, if not maybe even the majority of us, we live in survival mode. Just a couple weeks ago, though, I was standing at this back door, and I was just thanking God, and I was admiring what he has done through a body of believers in rural Alaska because they wanted to be generous, because you wanted to be generous, because you saw, uh, you saw value in expanding God's kingdom here in Talkeetna. Like, we have more ministry tools because of your generosity. We have a, I don't know of many like small rural Alaskan churches that have a fenced in playground for their kids to play with, play in. Like, That's amazing. We're not a big city church. But because of your generosity, we have something that even some big city churches don't have. We have a beautiful, uh, nice new sign out there so that people can see Church on the Rock from from all around. Look inside here. Like, a lot of work has been done right here inside of this building. 
We've been able to do that because of your generosity. So for, for a small rural Alaskan church, we are, I think, shining the light of the gospel brighter and brighter here in this community. I think we're doing, I think we're doing that pretty well. I think in most communities, I think we are doing that better than what is happening in most communities, in most places, with twice the resources and twice the manpower. You know, for a body of believers who probably more than we would like to admit, find ourselves in survival mode, your generosity is astounding. And the light of the gospel shining in this body, from this body, is only getting brighter and brighter as we endeavor to grow together more into Christ's likeness. As you, the believer here in Taukitna, are becoming more and more translucent, we shine the light of the gospel into the dark places of this world. And that light is powerful. It's powerful to make an impact on the lives of those who come into our sphere and the lives of those people that are here in this community. And today we're gonna get, I'm gonna give you a little context for how scripture describes the transformative power that actually flows through the believer when we shine the light of the gospel. So if you haven't noticed, this year's echo theme is translucent. If something is translucent, it's not quite transparent. Something that is translucent, it allows a little bit of light through, but in an attractive way. Like stained glass is translucent. The light that shines through stained glass is generally like it, it adds a little flavor and it's like, oh, that's not, not enough light that I, can, uh, that I can do some work by, but it's, I can admire it. It attracts my eye. It's beautiful. Something that's translucent, our eye is attracted to it. It catches our attention. So we get this theme from uh, what we know as Paul's second letter, because it's probably like his fourth or fifth letter. Uh, what we know as Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth in chapter four, verses six and seven. In, in the, his letters to the church in Corinth, Paul has been, he's been defending himself. Uh, there's been allegations that he's actually been spiritually manipulating these people, that he's been a false teacher. And so he's writing and he's, he's defending himself and he's answering the claims, uh, answering the claims that are made against him. And Paul emphasizes uh, to the Corinthians that his only mission was to go and deliver the gospel of Jesus and to proclaim that Jesus Christ was Lord. And Paul insists that he and his ministry partners, they actually were servants to the Corinthians for the sake of Jesus. And so to emphasize his case, Paul says in chapter four, verse six and seven, he says, for God who said, let, sh let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So 
we know that the treasure that Paul is speaking of is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul described God as shining his light into the heart, penetrating the darkness of unbelief and revealing his glory to unbelievers through faith in Jesus. Paul finally saw the truth of the gospel. Paul finally saw the truth of scripture with spiritual eyes. In Acts, it's described as the scales fell off of his eyes. He had lived this pious, religious, legalistic life. He knew the Torah. He knew God's word better than anybody. But he missed the Messiah. Paul uses words here like light and knowledge and glory. And he's doing this because he's incorporating the values of the Greek and the Roman culture uh, that dominated the area that he was ministering to. He wanted to catch the attention of the Greek and the Roman mind by using these words. And he draws them in. He gets their attention with uh, words that were familiar to them. And then he points it all back to the creator. He points it all back to the eternal source of those values. To know God in this way, to see God's glory and to be given this opportunity to share in that glory forever. That's the greatest of treasures. Paul, he informs his audience that this great treasure, it's not, it shouldn't be hidden, shouldn't be locked away. What God does, instead, he keeps this great treasure, this most valuable treasure, he keeps it in a jar of clay. God puts this treasure in jars of clay. I don't know if you know, but clay is not super strong. It's pretty fragile. Clay was commonly used in that time. Like jars of clay were... That's what everybody used. They, didn't, they couldn't buy a big old case of mason jars from Costco. They didn't have nice Pyrex, uh, but they were just as prone as we are. Like, we lose Tupperware lids all the time. Well, they broke their jars of clay all the time. God deliberately chose something fragile something unimpressive, something common to put his great treasure in. Paul tells us that God wanted to show that the power of his glory was in front of him. God doesn't leave any room. God doesn't leave any suggestion that Paul or any of us weak clay vessels that we are the source of the power. The power of the gospel is so overwhelming that it's not not limited by the quality of the container that it's found in. God displays, like maybe you question yourself. Maybe you don't know if you're worthy enough to do certain work. If maybe you don't, maybe you feel called to missions or maybe you feel called to take part in different pieces of 
the Christian life, but you're like, I actually just don't feel worthy to do that. God makes you worthy. God qualifies you. He calls you into that place. And he uses uncommon vessels. We are all, sorry, he uses common vessels. We are all these jars of clay. Not one better than the other. But God wants wants to use us all in the unique way that he made us for the mission that he has for us. God displays his limitless power and glory by distributing that power and glory through us limited vessels. We are here to be on mission as ambassadors of Christ. We aren't here to proclaim our own greatness. We aren't here to proclaim that we are something special. Our mission and every mission at its core should be to proclaim Jesus. We are just servants for Christ's sake. That is the core of what this year's theme is for Echo. That is translucent. And maybe you're wondering like, okay, I get that. But what is echo? Is there an echo in here? He uses that word a lot, but what, why are we calling it echo? Well, many of us used to, and some of us still do, just say missions conference. But about, and this has been going on for almost 20 years. But about 10 years ago, uh, we decided to come up with some descriptions of what missions conference was for. So we could be reminded what the purpose, why we do this. Because for the staff and a lot of our volunteers, missions conference is a big deal and it takes a lot of work. So sometimes when you're working really hard, you need a reminder, like what the heck is all this for? And so we came up with a description and that description turned into an acronym. So the purpose of ECHO is actually in the name. And Catherine and Jeremiah and Sophie and Amanda, they can tell you exactly what Echo means, right? All right, good. It's not just a cool name. It's not like, ooh, Echo, yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, It means something. And every year we go over it, or we should go over it. And I'm hoping, hoping that every year that I'll remember, I need to go over what Echo means with the congregation again. E stands for enriching lives. We endeavor to enrich the lives of our body, our congregation, and the lives of our missionaries by creating opportunities for networking. Like you can meet them and they can meet you and you can talk about different things that maybe you want to do together. Uh, For peer support, like missionaries need to talk to other missionaries about what's going on on the field and in their lives because They are under attack physically and spiritually. And we like to connect them with our skilled and generous people. So Friday through Monday of this coming week, the 13th through the 16th, there's going to be six different huge events that you can participate in. And I totally get it. It is hard to drive down to Wasilla four days in a row. 
Uh, gas prices are ever increasing and the light outside is decreasing almost just as fast as those gas prices are increasing. So maybe you just can't swing it. Honestly, with everything on my to-do list right now, uh, over this next two weeks before I go and get shoulder surgery, I'm like, if I didn't have to be there at all of those events, I probably would find a couple that I could skip. But being on staff, I am going to be there. Um, but experience tells me, uh, because I've been part of this conference in some way over the last 15 years, that my life is going to be enriched by the sacrifice of going and be part of, part of this. It's going to be good for my spirit to participate it's going to be encouraging to my faith. And this is, this is every year for me a mountaintop experience. But there's still a tension, and I know that. Driving an hour south in the dark, it just may not be in the cards for some of you. I know many of you won't be able to participate uh, in, in those events that are going on in Wasilla. And just because I highly encourage you to to take part in that. And just because I promote Echo a lot and I speak highly of it, um, as well as like many other things throughout the year, I don't ever want you to feel guilty if you can't participate. Now, if the Holy Spirit's telling you and prodding you and like, nope, you need to go and be part of that and you don't, uh, then you can feel convicted and we can talk about that. And that's, that's, that's good, and we'll, we'll, we'll work that out with, in love. But don't ever feel guilty, especially from me, because I'm always going to promote opportunities that I think are valuable, but they're not obligations. Your participation is an opportunity. It's not an obligation. And this is actually one reason why uh, we always have our missionaries show up on Sunday morning at all of our campuses. Our Sunday morning service next week uh, is for you to have an opportunity to meet some of our missionaries because you may not get down to Wasilla. So we, we think it's valuable for you to hear updates from them. We think it will encourage you and enrich your life. We know that you'll be encouraged by the testimonies you hear. And hopefully, you'll be challenged to grow in your faith by what the Lord does this next weekend and in that time that we have them here, which is exactly what the C stands for in ECHO, challenging believers. We invite our missionaries every year. We specifically tell them, we want you to challenge our community. We want you to challenge them to grow in their faith and their faithfulness. And I am every year challenged to grow in my faith during the Echo Missions Conference. Last year, the Smith family, our own Nate and Annie Smith and their wonderful kids, Jackson, Aurora, and Levi, they were called, they were challenged, and they went through some challenges by answering that call. But they went and they supported the Lovings. They went out of state, all on their own dime. I don't know if anybody uh, was able to step in and help support them, but they did the mission all on their own. And they went and served alongside the Lovings. Nate was a massive uh, help in getting that helicopter ready it probably would have never even flown, I think, if Nate hadn't uh, been able to go there and be faithful to the call that God put on him and his family. 
to the challenge that God gave them. But they went and they participated in the Loving's ministry and they were instrumental in making sure that that chopper was prepared to go and rescue refugees from a third world country. And Annie and the kids, while Nate was monkeying around with the helicopter, they were able to love and support Zach's family, Sarah and their kids. Like a lot of times we hear about the mission, the, the one doing all the work. Like you, you see me all the time and you don't, maybe you don't think about my family, but the, when the people are doing ministry, sometimes their family gets attacked even more than the person who's doing the ministry. And they need love and support and they need to be thought of and prayed for too. And Annie and the kids were able to be there for a few weeks, supporting them and loving them, helping them pack to go overseas back to Thailand. Answering the call can be a challenge. But when we answer those calls, when we step up and we take those challenges, it's also a way that is very honoring to the missionaries. I feel like I'm on Sesame Street. That's what H stands for, honoring missionaries. We do this because we want to honor the kingdom work that our missionaries are doing. That's why we do this conference every year. We are blessed to bring awareness to their work. And we are sincere in our respect and our value for them personally. So at the very least, just show up next week because your presence will be an honor to them. Show up next Sunday. If you can, bring a friend, especially if they're an unbeliever because they're gonna see some kingdom power in action. The testimonies that they are going to hear next week are going to be enriching. Our missionaries are the real deal. They're, they're people who want not only to, to share the light of the gospel, but they want to share the light of the gospel with unbelievers. They want to see the kingdom of God grow. They, these guys aren't in it for personal glory. And if you don't want to come for that, Nate Smith and Rick Shear are going to make some awesome brisket. We're going to label them and, and figure out which guy can make the best brisket. There'll be a little competition. You can honor our missionaries in the littlest way. Just bring a side dish that will go along with brisket, like some macaroni and cheese. My wife would be super excited if you brought that. But this isn't just to honor them. We're not gonna have this extra little church potluck just to honor the missionaries. This is an opportunity to open doors, which is what O stands for. Opening doors of opportunity. We want you to come and visit with our missionaries. We wanna see what doors of opportunity open up for you. Maybe God will move you into a new season of life. We wanna remove barriers and create pathways for our people, for our congregations to give, to go, to pray, and to partner with different missions and missionaries. I've had countless opportunities over the years to go 
all around the world to go support missionaries. Something, maybe I should start taking more advantage of that. Go get out of here and see something, especially in the winter when you guys are all freezing. I'll be like, be like Albert. Go get, some, go get warm. But my family and I, we've also gotten to be a part of something amazing. We've gotten to be part of some awesome works that God is doing all over the world because we've partnered with different missionaries. We've financially supported different missionaries that work all over the world. We've been part of translating the word of God into languages of unreached tribes. We've been part of rescuing refugees from war zones. We've helped to provide biblical counseling for pastors who couldn't otherwise afford it. We've been part of packing out stadiums with thousands of people who got to hear the message of the gospel. We've been part of training and equipping the next generation of believers in places all over the world. And we've done all of that without ever having to leave Alaska. We've simply just let our giving be our going. So show up to whatever pieces of this missions conference that you are able. If you do, I promise you're gonna be enriched. You'll be challenged. You will honor our brothers and sisters who are doing difficult kingdom work in hard places. And maybe some opportunities will open up to you to partner with what God is doing uh, outside of our local church. Finding a way to partner with missionaries will broaden your perspective and diversify the impact you're making for the gospel. We are all called to take part in missions. We are all missionaries right here. Maybe God is calling you to be like Paul. Maybe you're supposed to go. And we want to celebrate that and we want to send you out so you can go share the gospel message. But maybe you're called to stay. Maybe you're called to be here and minister to those who you are in proximity to. But while you do that, you are able to find opportunities to support what's going on around the world. Like we can't all do the same thing, but we can all do something. We cannot and should not all minister God's word in the same way. We can't all participate in the same way. These are just opportunities that we want to expose you to. The jars that Paul was writing about, these jars of clay, they're not like the mass-produced jars that are sitting in your cupboards at home or in a box on your porch. These jars of clay, they didn't all look the same. They weren't all the same size. They weren't all the same shape. They weren't all the same color. God's an artist. He's purposeful in how he shapes each one of us. There's beauty in these common jars of clay. We are used by God for his glory, but he wants to use us all in a different way just like these jars of clay. 
You, know, you hold the treasure. You hold the treasure that this verse speaks about, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You hold that treasure as a believer. And you were created to share that treasure. You don't hold it in. You got to crack that pot and let it out. Be confident in who God created you to be. Be confident in who you are created to be and what you and the purpose that you were created for. Let the light of Christ shine out of you. Let it shine brighter and brighter in your life so that Christ would be magnified in this body, in this community. I want to have the worship team come up. As you let the light of the gospel shine brighter and brighter in, in your life, Christ will be magnified in this community and in the ends of the earth. And please stand. I'm going to pray, and we are going to let our praise rise up this morning. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to open doors for our congregation so that we can honor missionaries and let, our light, let, let the light of the gospel shine brighter in us, in our community, and to the ends of the earth. Father, I pray that today and all throughout this next week through this, uh, through this year's missions conference, Lord, I pray that we as a body would be challenged and each unique individual believer here today would be challenged. Lord, I pray that we would, uh, that we would have friends that would show up next week that need to hear the gospel and that they would be challenged with gospel message in, in their life. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to have our lives enriched by your people that you are bringing to, to share with us this week. Father, I pray, um, I pray against the problems that are arising right now in every one of their lives, Lord, because I've been there and I know the difficulty it is just to show up for all of these missionaries. Lord, I pray against the attack of the enemy in their life and in the, in the, in the lives of our congregation as I know that the enemy wants to keep us from participating, from hearing about your glory and the work that it, you are accomplishing all throughout this world. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be distracted by the mayhem that is littered throughout the news. But we would see your kingdom growing up right alongside the kingdom of darkness. And that we would not rest, that we would not stop until our mission here is complete and you call us home. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work through this body to shine your light, the light of the gospel here in this community and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen.